0: Hi, welcome back to Female Founder World. I'm your host, Jasmine Garnsworthy. And today I'm chatting with Alicia Scott, the founder of Range Beauty. If you really enjoyed this episode, we have some extra fun, helpful things for you. I've been trying to gather downloads to go with the episodes to just help you dive deeper and get more tangible, actionable takeaways from these conversations. So we have a couple of really, really great downloads available that Alisha has so generously made available to the Female Founder World community. First of all, we have the actual pitch deck that she's using to raise money. So if you are pitching investors right now, if you're in the beauty space and you're just like not sure what information to put in, what a pitch deck looks like in 2023, this will be such an amazing resource. It's available in the Female Founder World community. I've linked that in the show notes. And once you've joined, just navigate to the Money Club room. The download is there. And we also have a very special resource that Alicia teaches and uses to help her mentees when they're applying for grants. And it's all about how to niche down on your brand story. And it kind of walks you through the process of how she does it and how she's done it in the past and how she helps other founders to really get clear on what their brand story is and how to communicate it. That is available to our business bestie members. And the link is also in our show notes if you want to become a business bestie member. Okay, let's get into the episode. You are now entering female founder world with your host, Jasmine Garnsworthy. Alicia, welcome to Female Founder World. It's so good to have you.
1: Thank you. It's so nice to be here. I am a super fan, so
0: I am just honored. Oh, that's so cool. I love to hear that. Okay. let's um for people who don't know Range Beauty, what's the elevated pitch? What are you guys building?
1: Yes, over at Range Beauty, we are the first generation of plant-powered makeup for acne and eczema-prone skin. And we use dermatologist backed botanicals, science-backed botanicals that help alleviate symptoms commonly associated with eczema, um, with acne, and with other conditions within the reactive skin community, psoriasis, rosacea.
0: Okay, very cool. You've been around since 2017. Tell me what it was like in the early days and what was... You know, what was the idea that kind of sparked this business?
1: Yeah. So I did a soft launch in May, 2017. It was a completely different brand name um, that actually got me into some legal trouble. Uh, So we were only around for like a month. (laughs) We were only around for like a month. It was a completely different concept. Um, And I scrapped everything. I went back to the drawing board and I wanted to be really intentional about the the actual launch. And so we formally launched um, at the end of August in 2018. And I did it while I was still working my nine to five. So I would finish and then come work on range. And in the early days, it was just our foundation. Um, We actually had very early stage BB cream and it all focused on melanin rich tones. And so I wasn't really speaking about the acne and eczema angle at first because I was so worried. I was like, does that do people think that if I say that, that means that only people with acne and eczema will be able to wear it. And so I kept it very broad. And our angle was just focused on like, here's real shade range. Here's the shade range that these other brands are not presenting. And then it took me up until 2019, December 2019, I quit my job and 2020 was my first full-time year with range.
0: In When I think about you starting this in 2017, like now it seems like, oh yeah, obvious to create an inclusive, you know, color cosmetic brand or skincare brand. But at the time, there really wasn't anyone doing this. Like, you were really early on that.
1: Yes. And my biggest thing was I never saw my skin tone represented. I never saw Mm. especially young Black women in any of the makeup campaigns. And when I was working behind the scenes in the fashion industry... And I was coming across black models who were feeling the need to bring their own makeup kits to set because they were told by so many other makeup artists, oh, I don't have anything in my kit for your tone. And so they're scrambling to find whatever they could put together for their skin tone. Is the first time I was hearing out loud and seeing out loud, okay... I'm not the only one that's feeling left out. And at this time, I was really heavy into Twitter, really heavy into Instagram. And I did a lot of social listening. I was reading through the comments, you know, when a brand would put out their foundation range and the comments would be like, um that's as deep as you're going. Are you kidding me right now? Like I was yeah. With these black women mostly were saying and seeing the shades that they were like, Oh, it would have been nice if you did it up. Also, can you stop calling, you know, the deep shades? Can you stop naming them after food? So I was just like paying attention to these pain points <laughs> that, you know, black women were presenting. And yeah. so, yeah, very early on, it was, it was crazy, honestly, for an indie brand like mine to come out the gate with a complexion product, because that's, it's a complex <laughs> product for you to start yeah. with, um, and we were fortunate that one of the major makeup uh, review like influencers on Twitter, she grabbed one of our photos that I posted, and she was like, "This is what you call range," and that circulated, and I was like, "Okay, we have we have something here. We're we're getting off to a good start here."
0: That's so cool. I've never tried to create a a color cosmetic or makeup product before, but I've heard that it is really, really hard.
1: Yes. Yes. It's a very daunting task because when you think about it and you're trying to be mindful of the shades, you want to say, okay, am I you know, doing enough shades for me. I was like, I'm not going to be Fenty and come out with 50 shades. That just wasn't Mm -hmm. feasible for me, um, which made me get really intentional about, okay, what are the actual shades that are missing in these aisles that a lot of women are wanting to see. And that's how we came up with our 21 forgotten shades. And I think my, my huge, like light bulb moment was I ordered all of this stuff from the manufacturer, from the lab. It was like the base colors, you could get pigment, you could get, um, the benefits that you could mix into it. I got beakers, pipe, bets, all of this stuff. I have my own little lab going on in my living room. And I sat there and I came up with like 20 different shades of brown. I still have the picture um, of these in the little paper mini cups where I came up with all these different shades of brown. And I was like, okay, this isn't the hard part because I was able to do this with $150 at the time was my starter order. And I'm like, okay, this isn't the hard part for these companies. It's now definitely being a parent, more apparent to me that they're not creating these shades because they don't see the need to do so. Um, because they obviously have way more resources than I have right now in my living room. Um, and so obviously we've seen a nice shift since 2017, but we definitely, there's still a long way to go.
0: Wild. Yeah. That's crazy okay. So let's talk about getting traction in the early days. Once you kind of had your product and you had something uh, that you, that you wanted to kind of get out there, you had that one influencer on YouTube. Very cool. What else were you doing to kind of get the, get the word out about range beauty?
1: Yes. So I started our social media page before we even had the product. So I just started posting about, you know, Instagram. Yes, on Instagram, our our first Instagram page um, before we even had products. And I was just using that to post different shades of of Black women, really, um, talking about skincare benefits and how you should be paying attention to this for your skin, kind of just like setting the tone and growing a following from there. Um, And then once we did launch, I was very, very, very heavily gifting. And it was so, it's a lot, it was a lot easier then obviously than it is now, but it was so easy to DM someone and say, Hey, can I send you this, you know, gift set of foundation? Dah, dah, dah. Um, And they would just drop their address. And it was, a lot easier, mm-hmm. and I was able to do it in bulk. And I was very fortunate that most of the influencers I gifted would either do a story post, would either do an Instagram post. Like someone was at least posting, "Oh my gosh, there's this really cool brand you guys should check out." Um, we were getting YouTube videos made, so. I think that was the biggest thing for us was the word of mouth, like the organic traffic, the organic word of mouth about who we were was really what helped set the tone in the early days. And then from there, I would say the next big moment was probably when I participated in Jackie Ina, who is a huge YouTube beauty mogul and beyond. Uh, She had a A grant competition for black founders. And so when I appeared on that and they posted it live on their YouTube page, her and her husband's pages, um, that absolutely gained me even more traction and even more of an audience. And I just kept on trying to build off moments that would happen like that.
0: Talk to me about uh, Shark Tank and how this came about (laughs) because I, you know, we've had a few folks on the show who have been on Shark Tank and pretty much all of them have said that it is like changed their business. And I want to understand how do you get on the show and what is the process? Like tell me about it.
1: Yes. So I watched Shark Tank all the time already. I was an avid viewer. I literally remember seeing the Lip Bars episode come out with Melissa Butler. Yeah. Um. And every time I would watch, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like they would never have a brand like mine on there. you know, it just didn't seem Shark Tank appealing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it was last year, January of last year, that I received a just a general email to our general. Um, info at range beauty, like email inbox. And this particular day, I just happened to go in there for whatever reason. And I saw this email and I was like, is this spam? Because it said it was from a shark tank (laughs) producer. And I'm like, okay It's this spam and so i looked at the name i'm good for researching someone's name to make sure they're legit mm-hmm. and i i did this before when target sent me a dm i made sure to check the name i was like is this a real person or is this a scam um yeah. so that's what i did with <laughs> with her i looked her up and she was an actual shark tank like casting director producer and we got on a call and she was like, yeah, we would love for you to come if you would like to apply. Um, we would love for you to audition, basically. Um, but you guys are on our radar. And I was just like, okay. And wow. so we filled out this <laughs> crazy long application. We had to still do like a audition video, um, like a little short tape. And then from there, we just started getting ready, getting ready, getting ready, to film. And so we had our own production team. We had to craft a special pitch for it. And then this stretched from January and we didn't film until July. And then my episode didn't air until February of this year.
0: Okay. And once that episode goes live, what happens?
1: Chaos, mayhem, (laughs) Um, leading up to it. So they give you three weeks to prepare. They tell you three weeks ahead of the episode. This is your date that it's dropping. Um, So you are getting your inventory ready. You're trying to get your marketing strategy together. You're trying to make sure your customer service is together. You obviously want to have a a watch party. You know, there's a lot going on. And those three weeks went by very, very fast. It felt like we had one week to prepare, to be honest. And the night that it aired, I think for me... I was most shocked because like I said, in my, even though we made it this far in my mind, I said, was like, oh, we're two black women on here speaking about makeup. That is prioritizing melanin rich skin. And it's also prioritizing the acne and eczema communities. So I was just, I honestly didn't know which way it was going to go because we're not Shark Tank's demographic. Um, when you think about Shark Tank's demographic, it's, older white men white women. And so I was just, I honestly didn't know what was going to happen. And we're sitting there and I'm watching the numbers come in and I'm like, oh my God. And so I think it hit me because I'm watching our our sales and it's like we sold uh, 1,500 of our sample kits alone, just like our foundation sample kits, we sold 1,500 units. And then I'm watching all the other orders come in and I'm like, oh my gosh. And then it just stretched from, so we aired the last weekend in February. And I would say we were feeling the effects of it until the end of April.
0: Wow. And people have also said that, you know, Shark Tank re-airs episodes and then you get that bump again. So I bet you're like, okay, <laughs> fingers crossed, let's go again.
1: Yeah, it was weird because our episode actually did re-air very quickly after oh. our air date. So we aired in February and I believe we re-aired in June. I want to say like it was just a few months after we got another email that, and we got the email, I think it was two days before and I was just like, we do have two days. So they told us like two <laughs> days before it was airing and it wasn't on like their typical Friday. I think it was a, I think we they told us on Monday that it was re-airing on um, Wednesday and so we did we did see a nice uptick. It wasn't compared to the actual air um weekend, but we definitely saw like we'll see where it's like, okay, there was a nice peak because we definitely from the rear.
0: Yeah. Okay. So having gone through this now and being on Shark Tank, is there something that you would do differently? Whether yes. it's in the preparation, I would, in the way that you
1: definitely. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> preparation. Honestly, the way I am so proud of the way that we showed up, I'm so proud of the way that I was able to communicate what we were building and what made us different. And I think that was the highest compliment that we received when we were um, pitching. And I'm so glad that they aired it was when Mr. Wonderful was like, listen, I expect to eviscerate makeup brands when they come in here because they can never clearly tell me what sets them apart. He's like, but you actually do have something very different. It's very great. And I think just receiving a compliment for from every one of the sharks, even the ones who were like, you know, it's just not for me. Um, was very telling of what, what I've been able to build so far, but I will say, I think I would, I would, if I could go back, I would definitely prepare our website way more um, to make sure that it was just like very customer friendly. Like if you saw us air, you came on, you knew exactly what to grab. We made it easier to find your shade range. Like we had a quiz at the time, but I think it was kind of a little hidden that it it wasn't really easy to grab, just like grab your shade, which was great. And why we had so many sample kits, but it also was like, ah, I I wonder if we did that, if we would have like more full size combo orders or, you know, such and such, but I was still, it was still a really great, great response. So
0: Very cool. Okay. So now that you're, you know, you're working full-time in the business, you are, you've been on Shark Tank. I'm sure that the business is in a very different place to what it was in 2017 when you first launched. What are you doing (laughs) to both retain customers and get new customers as well? Like what channels are working?
1: Yeah. So one of the biggest things that we did to get new customers and then have them come back was when we first launched our samples, we were giving you $5 spend to come back and buy your full size. So it was like, okay, yeah. go ahead and purchase your samples and then you got a coupon basically that took off $5 when you came back to buy your full size. So we had a large amount of repeat customers from that. We also had a lot of referrals from that and people telling their friends like, yo, they'll give you money to go <laughs> they're giving you money to go <laughs> go back and get the full size find your shade. So that was a huge, huge marketing tactic for us. Another thing is definitely in-person activations because we are a dot-com business. It's hard shopping for makeup, no matter what you do with the samples, no matter what you do with quizzes that people want to be able to play with makeup you know, feel it, see it in person. So doing a lot of in-person activations here in, in Atlanta and across um, other cities. So like this past summer, we did Essence Fest and that was huge for us. It was a collaboration with Shea Moisture. They sponsored our booth and that was huge, huge, huge for our audience awareness and for our orders. Before that, we would done like pop-ups in Texas. And so just making sure that we're kind of spreading awareness. We've also done a collaboration with Birchbox. Um, we did a collaboration for New York fashion week. So trying to make sure we're activating even outside of just our industry. And then before the the big iOS crash, we were into ads. We were doing paid ads Um, Pretty lightly, but still it it did bring us a great amount of new customers. And then now, I think right now we are really, really focused on keeping our current customers and making sure that they're happy. So doing things like VIP sales, doing things like free gifts with purchase, giving them exclusive access. Like if you're in Atlanta, you can come pick up and meet me type of thing. So trying to really humanize and personalize the experience with us while we're still .com at this point.
0: Partnerships have been such a big part of, I feel like what you guys have done, the collaborations that you just spoke to, but you've also had some really big celebrity partnerships as well. Chat to me about those and how that came about.
1: Yeah, we've had some pretty major ones. So I guess starting back in 2020, um, when Beyonce, when we were featured on Beyonce.com. And their casual Yeah. Stylist- <laughs> I always say when we, when Beyonce featured us, I'm like, no, it's okay. It's Beyonce, I would, whole, I would die.
0: I would die.
1: Whole team, but okay. Um, so that was incredible because tapping into like the beehive is just a whole yeah another type of support system so that was pretty amazing we also were fortunate to have Gabrielle Union um, wear a piece of our merch um, for one of her Vogue interviews which was very very cool wow. and we had like numerous photos of her in it. and I was just like oh my god How did that um, happen? So it happened because her style, her hair stylist, I believe, saw our merch on someone. So it was um, during 2020. I came out with a line called "Minding My Black Woman-Owned Business," and we had shirts and sweatshirts, um, mugs, and things of that sort. And her hair stylist saw it on someone and went to the site and purchased it to gift to her. And she ended up like the, for the Vogue interview, they were like, yeah, we gave her the opportunity to pull what she wanted to wear. And she ended up pulling that shirt. And that was pretty, pretty cool for her. Yeah. That was pretty amazing. Um, since then, we've also partnered with amazing fashion tonight, designer Anifa with, for her Hanifa fashion show last year. We have partnered with Issa Ray and her Hooray team. We sponsored her rollout uh, for makeup with her DC rollout last year. And then this year, I guess it's kind of cool. Well, also, how can I forget that we gained Bobby Brown as a mentor in 2020, and she's wow. been incredible and an incredible advisor. And then we were fortunate to land Emma this year, who's the coach co-founder of Skims and Good American and sits on the board for the 15% pledge. So we have an action pack, <laughs> an action pack lineup, to be honest.
0: Wow. They're, they're all those people in your corner, I feel like you can't lose. That's just amazing. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I want to understand more about the Isaray partnership. You said that you, um, you know, there was like a sponsorship element to it. How did that, well, like what are the nuts and bolts of that? How does that work?
1: Yes, so that came in to play from us speaking with—I uh, don't remember her position, but I believe she does like all the activations and marketing for Hooray. Her name is Morgan, and we connected with her. And at first, she was like, "Oh, um, you know, we have a music artist under Isa's uh, music com- uh, label, and maybe you guys could sponsor makeup for this." So I sent makeup for two of their her artists. And one of them posted us on his page. And then the makeup artist posted us as well. And was like, this makeup is incredible. I love that it can take my talent like through the entire day. I was like, okay, amazing. And so they were just giving really great feedback about it. Um, And that kind of translated to more like, okay, you know, let's see some other ways that we can connect. And this DC um, rollout was happening and we were like, listen, it would be really amazing if we could provide the makeup, if we could provide the makeup artist." And so we collaborated with a black woman owned, it's kind of like a black woman owned Sephora in DC called Marjani Beauty. And we partnered with Kimberly, who is the founder and we were, and she has, um, site makeup artists. We were like, Hey, if you want to bring the makeup artist, we'll bring the makeup. And so we provided makeup for Issa's team and then for any of like the hosts and things like that. And then when we got, to the actual, you know, opening night and we were getting there and they were like, oh, come meet Issa, come talk to Issa. And I'm like, oh my God, okay. And so, you know, we're talking with her and I'm just like, hi, like da-da-da-da. we are taking pictures with her and it was just so incredible. She was so sweet and warm and amazing. The whole team was so amazing and accommodating. And yeah, that just happened. And we were like, listen, any other way we can support or collaborate, please let us know. So that was an amazing like networking collaboration partnership for us to just keep and hopefully keep coming back to.
0: I love that. You mentioned before that selling makeup online is, you know, a difficult thing and that you need to have those in-person activations to really let people try the product. And so when I hear that, I think, okay, distribution in bricks and mortar retailers probably makes sense for range beauty and for what you're creating. How have you been thinking about uh, wholesale partnerships, retail distribution. Like, what what are some of the things that you've been doing to kind of intentionally grow that side of the business, or have you been more focused on D to C?
1: Yeah. So initially, it was dot com just because of the the budget that I. Yeah, didn't have. <laughs> so it was obviously yeah. <laughs> way cheaper and easier to stay on .com. Um, I started thinking more about retail when I was first contacted um, by Target, and that was towards the end of 2019. Um, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm still very early." Like, um, mm-hmm. oh, sorry, excuse me. I think it was towards the end of 2018. It was a couple of months after I launched, actually. And wow. um, okay. actually, I'm still very early. And so they invited me to their headquarters in February of 2019. Um, And then from there, I just kept on working. I just kept on. I was like, I want to be able to be in Target. Like that was on my five-year plan. I didn't even think that would be, you know, that's insane. And so I'm like, okay, let me work to get that make that happen. And so I did a um, festival here in Atlanta in December of 2019. And that was the, it was an Essence Target holiday like market that they had here. And all the booths that they picked for the beauty aisle or beauty section were all brands that were carried by Target, except my brand. And so I was like, okay, this might mean something. Mm -hmm. And so I was there and I was talking with all of my connections that I had met back in um, February at headquarters. I had emailed them and I said, hey, I'm going to be at this um, Essence Target holiday market here in Atlanta. I don't know if you guys are coming, but if so, I would love to have you stop by my booth just to update you on what's been going on at the range. Every single person that I emailed replied and was like, we will see you at your booth. And so they came over and they were like, Alicia, we would really love for you to talk to our takeoff team, which is Target's team. They do these different accelerators throughout the year. So they have a beauty one, they have pets, they have home, um, just different uh, like department-focused um, accelerators. And so I met with the team. They were like, you should definitely apply. And I was like, okay. And that same day I was in the pitch competition. So I got up on stage and I did my pitch. And one of the judges was a target buyer. And I did my pitch and I won one of the prizes. I didn't win the top prize, but I won one of the prizes. And I checked my email afterwards and everyone emailed me. It was like, you did a phenomenal job. Like you're building something so cool. You know your brand and your market so well. Like da, da, da. And I was like, okay, um, I applied for the takeoff program. In I think it was January, and then I was told in February that I got into the t- the takeoff beauty program, and that was a six week nonstop program between uh, behind targets doors, just like learning about buying, learning about packaging, learning about their social, learning about all of these different sessions that they have you go through, and you get to walk the store with your buyer and have these one on ones mm-hmm. with your buyer, and all of this amazing amazing stuff that they do. And for us, we ended up at the end of our graduation, we did get the offer from our buyer. Hey, let's move forward with, um, with the Range Beauty Target launch, which was obviously very exciting. The issue from then was always my price point. Because my price point is Mastige, which means that it's in between Drugstore and Prestige. So in between CoverGirl and NARS, if you want to think about it that way. Um, Our foundation is $28. And so our buyer was just very concerned. She's like, I love the brand. I'm such a fan. But that price point is just not going to do well with our customer. Our customer is not expecting to walk our beauty aisles and purchase a $28 foundation like it's just not on their mind that's not what they come to target for um so there was always some back and forth over that and we ended up launching on com especially with covid and everything going on in 2020 we ended up launching november of 2020 on com It was great learnings. We did really well. Our products were selling through. We were getting weekly replenishment orders from Target. Um, But there was just never any plan to go in store. There was just, it just seemed like this huge hurdle of your price point, your price point we don't know how it's going to do in store. We had these two other brands that we tried to work with who were in a higher price point. They didn't do well. So we just don't know. And there just was this like hesitation. And I was like, you know what? I think that this is really a sign that this is not meant to be my first in-store retailer launch. Like I really want to be at a beauty destination where people are expecting to spend this amount or higher or lower, you know, they're not stuck at one price point. Um, And I want it to be where they know that they can go find these brands that have validation behind them. And so for me, I put that on the back burner and I was trying to come up with a plan around like, okay, who do we want to launch with? So obviously we, you know, Ulta, Sephora came to mind, but then also thinking about, okay, like what about Blue Mercury? What about Detox Market? What about Nordstrom Beauty? How many doors, how many partners do we want to have? So all of that came into play. And I think now this year it's finally coming to fruition, which is really amazing. And so hopefully we will finally be in our brick and mortar home next year.
0: Okay. This is very exciting. And you can't announce it yet because it's not announced. This is still a secret, but yes, <laughs> you're, I'm sure it'll be. When When is this going to be like public on the Range Beauty, like Instagram when, or website? When can you go and like learn about this announcement? Because people are going to be excited.
1: Yes. Yes, this announcement is coming next month. I don't have the actual day yet, um, but the retailer let us know to keep quiet until okay. their big rollout and announcement in next month.
0: Okay, very exciting. And congratulations. I have my <laughs> ideas about who I think it is, who Thank I think you. it is. But okay, cool. Okay, so the last thing <laughs> the last thing that I ask everyone who comes on the show is for a resource. And that could be, I don't know, some people walk me through their whole like morning routines, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a habit, it could be an app, it could be a book you've read. Something that's helped you as you've been building range beauty and up leveling as an entrepreneur and a leader.
1: Yeah, I would say personally the Balance app is amazing. It helps you like put together guided meditation throughout your day. And so sometimes I'll try to catch it in the morning, sometimes I'll try to catch it before I head home from my office. Mm-hmm. Um I have been Doing pretty terrible with my nightly routine lately. I don't know if it's the time change or what, but like definitely need to get that back on track. But outside of that, for business, I'm super into newsletters and podcasts. And so for yep. me, newsletters, um, how, how to e is such a great one for me. Um, it breaks down like all the different things that are happening within, um, different industries. So they'll talk about like the beauty breakdown. They'll talk about, um, who purchased what they they'll talk about what ads are working really well. They'll talk about websites that are performing well. So I really love that newsletter. Definitely love beauty independent, glossy co. And then for podcasts, how, what's called, how he built or how it was built. How I built it. Um, yeah. Yeah, how I built this is a huge one. Um, I love the Hue report, which is done by Olivia, who is writer for Birdie, and she Mm. interviews um, different founders within the beauty space and just kind of speaks to them about how they built their brands and what's keeping their brands going, what's keeping them personally going. So I love following that. I also love Side Hustle Pro, which is one of the podcasts that I listened to back when I launched range and I would have it playing in the background while I was, you know, coming home after my nine to five and would, you know, work on range as my side hustle. So that's a huge one that I love as well. Um, But yeah, I love. Being in the car, going to the office, or coming home, just listening to what other founders are doing, what other founders are thinking. I think it's also reassuring sometimes listening to these podcasts and hearing other founders are like going through similar things or having similar thoughts. And I'm like, oh my God, okay, I'm not alone. You know, even these founders who, the founder of Ceremonia and these huge brands, are also having gripes the same way that I am. So just kind of like this invisible little support system is nice to have. Yeah.
0: No, I love that. And, you know, we were, um, we had an event in Austin uh, recently and on the panel, and somebody, someone, one of our guests in the audience from the community members asked the question around imposter syndrome and how do you overcome it? And one of the panelists was Alison Ellsworth, who's the founder of Poppy, which is the second fastest growing. Um, beverage company in the US after they're like neck and neck yes. with Liquid Death they're huge I think they're going to do 100 million this year and she yeah. was like oh I I have this all the time <laughs> and you look at her and you're like but look at what you've built how the hell could you not possibly yeah. just be like full of confidence but it's like at every level everyone still has it and also it's, I think it's reassuring to be like actually not no one really enters this with a whole lot more knowledge than you're entering this. They just like figuring it out as they go. Exactly.
1: exactly. And I think for me, something that I've been struggling with probably this year mostly has just been, oh, I'm not, I'm not as far as long as I should be. And I haven't done enough yet. And it's interesting because I was doing an interview yesterday and I was speaking to the host and she was like, she was like, wow. So this is, this has only been two years since she took it on full time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, technically. And I was like, but I've been doing it. It feels like I've been doing it for so long that I should be further ahead. And she's like, no, but you've really only been giving it all of your attention for two years. And I'm like, yeah, I guess. But you know, it's just this, these thoughts creep in, especially when you're looking at these other founders who are, killing it and you're like, Oh my God, I have to get my revenue up or, Oh my God, I need to get my investment raise up or, Oh my gosh, I need to, you know, be in 400 doors by the, you, you definitely start for me. I think it's more so comparison versus feeling like an imposter. I'm definitely like, yeah, I should be in that space where I feel like I should be, you know, doing all of these things. And I have to remind myself just how you said, like, I came into this with no experience in beauty or business. And Like this year I became the first black woman owned makeup brand to get a deal on Shark Tank. Shark Tank has been around for 14 years. That's insane. Like I have to remind myself of, of these accomplishments because it's like, yes, it's so hard to get lost in bottom line and, you know, raising series A through Z and, you know, doing all of these things and making these huge, huge, huge headlines. But it's like, I always have to say, I tell people, I'm like, remember the first sale Remember your first pop up, remember your first time ever on yeah. the panel, remember your first like press write up. It's just we have to keep ourselves grounded. We really do.
0: That is such good advice and what a great note to end the show on. Alicia, thank you so much for chatting with us and congratulations on everything you've built. Don't you dare think that you need to be (laughs) further ahead than you are. Like it is incredible what you've done. Like those partnerships that you've had, the brands that you've worked with and the community that you've built around your business as well is just honestly clapping.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. I appreciate that.
0: Thanks for tuning in to that episode of Female Founder World. If you liked it, take a little screenshot, share on Instagram stories and tag at Female Founder World and tag me at Jasmine Garnsworthy. You will make my day. I will repost it and I will be super, super grateful for spreading the word. Thanks. Chat to you next time.